Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Writers on Film, the only podcast dedicated to books on cinema. Hello and welcome to Writers on Film. My name is John Bleasdale. I'm a writer and critic. And this week I'm very excited to be talking to Noah Eisenberg, who has written the book on Casablanca. We'll always have Casablanca. I'm really excited about this because if you go to my letterboxed page, you will see Casablanca is right up there in my uh, in my favourite films, even though... You know, such notions and such ideas as, as picking four favourite films out of the entire body of work of world cinema is a little bit ridiculous but Casablanca is definitely a film that I have found moving funny influential and I've probably seen it the most times of any single movie uh, I've watched it again and again on television I've got the DVD I had the video cassette I had now I have the blu-ray very recently because of Noah's book um, so I, it's just a it's just a film that's really stayed with me, and I've also seen it several times on the big screen. There were some uh, Liverpool they would show. Uh, I think they showed it at the Philharmonic. I think I saw it once at the on the big screen in the Student Guild, and I it was the last film to ever screen at the the cinema that was opposite Lime Street Station. It's a sort of it used to be a Canon, I think. Uh, and they were closing down, and the last film was Casablanca. It was an amazingly moving screening in which they also brought the old projectionist who had been at the cinema for a very long time out to the front, and everybody applauded him. 
If you enjoy the episode, please remember to subscribe, to like. Spotify is now doing ratings, so if you can uh, hit a, a high rating, I'd be very that would be great. Also, obviously, if you could leave reviews on the app, if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, then uh, that would be great as well. Or wherever you get podcasts, if you could share and, and help me out, that would be really well appreciated. You can follow me uh, on Twitter at Dr. John T, D-R-J-O-N-T-Y. But before you do any of that homework, please enjoy the conversation. So it was a film I'd heard a lot about, and then it was on like a, a BBC Two Humphrey Bogart season, which is something that sounds that, about right. Yeah, something the BBC used to do a lot, um, which I'm not sure you get anymore. The, these sort of TV curated seasons, right? I mean, I, I think that the BBC did that around the time that student film societies were doing that kind of work on campuses. Um, at least on these shores, but but that kind of repertory programming, you find it, you know, they, they do that. Uh, does Turner Classic Movies now have a have a viewership in the UK? Yeah, TCM. I don't know if so. I, I mean, I'm in Italy, so I, I, I'm not I know in, you're in Italy. Okay, but I'm not. Um, I don't know if they do because that's another place where they do that. But 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 as you presumably know, John. Um, Casablanca is 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 the most uh, has enjoyed the most broadcasts on television of any motion picture in, oh in, in 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 history so it's you know it's i'm not surprised that that's the way that you watched it <laughs> and and it continues to be shown on television I mean, here that's why i asked about turner classic movie because I, I sometimes joke with people that it really ought to just be renamed the casablanca channel because it's always on right but they, they and, and going back to your initial point they, they there too they will they will curate or program around a an actor or a director or a writer or some combination. What was your first experience of it? Was it a, a, a TV? It's funny. That's a very good question. I remember watching it with my mom, and I think that it probably was on television. I think I don't, I don't think we went to see it. Um, saw it in the theater when I was a student later. So you, at university, actually in graduate school, Berkeley. But I don't, and I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those people who, see, see, all, the, all the Harvard and Radcliffe students, they would flock to the Brattle Theater where they would show it, you know, habitually twice a year during, during, during the reading and exam period. Mm. Kind of let off steam and go watch your Humphrey Bogart movies with, the, with the, you know, the centerpiece being Casablanca. But I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't go to Harvard, so, <laughs> so I didn't watch it there. Um, and I had an opportunity to watch it there, Valentine's Day, Feb so on uh, February 14, 2017, I'd done a, it was the, the first event for the book was at the Harvard bookstore. Mm. But on the 14th, I ended I caught a train and, 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 and had to get back to New York. We did, we did, I did with Molly Haskell, who's a wonderful film critic and, and historian. We, we did a conversation that same night in, in New York at a, at a, at a terrific bookstore in Soho called uh, McNally Jackson. So I missed my, I missed my chance to go to the Brattle. Molly's coming on the uh, podcast uh, later this year, hopefully. Uh, wonderful. She's, she's a dear, a dear friend. She's, she's, 
unparalleled. She's, uh, you know, she's amazing, absolutely amazing. One of our finest film critics ever. I'm absolutely delighted to to sort of I reached out to her a little while ago and she got back to me. Uh, very pleased to to have her on uh, pending pending sort of arranging things and scheduling stuff and that. But she's very generous. I'm sure she'll make time for you. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate it. I already got that feeling from the email. If, if you yeah. can get feelings like that, but there is a tone of voice that you. Uh, yeah, no, no, really she's do. she's an amazing. We we I had her. I was lucky enough to get her out here to Austin, pre-apocalypse to do to do. She did a, a, at the Austin Film Society. She did a. She introduced and they did a conversation for Hawks's uh, his girl Friday. Oh, yeah. And then I had, I was teaching screwball comedy that semester. And so she spoke with my students as well. It was wonderful. She's so great. Wow. Yeah. And what, oh, and what uh, a fun combination as well. Yeah. 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 It was really, really, really fun. So what was, uh, so, so when you first watched it with your mom, uh, <laughs> what was the, yeah. was, was there an immediate impact or a sort of uh, a, an immediate appeal to, for, for you? Well, I was a sort of a, you know, a surly teen at the time, I think. And, and, and I, I think I, I, I reflexively uh, questioned anything that my mom or, or, or father, for that matter. My mom was more the cinephile mm. uh, in the family. Though I used to go to the movies with my father. My, my father, unfortunately, is no longer alive. But we used to go when I was younger to the movies as well. But it was with my mom at that time that I watched Casablanca. And I think it was a yeah, kind of a knee-jerk or reflexive re response to question anything that she would like, and 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 to and to uh, you know automatically classify it as the as the as the taste of you know of the middle-aged, <laughs> the older <laughs> set, and that you know look it took some maturing on my part, needless to say. But one of the things that I did come to realize, not only in the process of writing the book, but also teaching classes uh, centered around Casablanca. And 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 having young students take these classes is that you know it 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 doesn't require you being in your you know fifties sixties seventies you can appreciate this film when you're still in your teens and in fact I have I have a couple of a couple of kids one of whom is now making his way deeper and deeper into the teens and we watched it when I was writing the book uh, the two boys and I. And they really liked it, yeah. <laughs> which is the older one, especially the older one was beginning to learn more about about the Second World War. And I think he found it a gripping portrayal of 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 that period, which is one of the ways in which to understand the film, I think. And, and, and it really kind of it captivated then at the time, captivated audiences and continues to captivate audience on on that on that level. Obviously, there are many, many other levels. I mean, he was far less interested, I think, in the in the love story uh, that was me you see i was the other way around i watched it and i i, I was 16 i can remember now i was 16 because i was working in a shoe shop uh, mm. and i i've got that in my head and uh my family had gone out it was before christmas so everybody mm. was out the house and i watched it and i had a and and when they started talking about drinking i thought oh and i sneaked off and got some gin from my mum's uh, <laughs> and, and I, I i i had i drank gin and tonic while watching it and it, it felt like very sophisticated very, very sophisticated. sophisticated very cool that the yeah. drunken humphrey bogart and then ingrid bergman turning up and there are two or three shots of her and i was smitten and that yeah. just just blew me away well, that's 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 obviously another very 
common, I think, response that the film elicits in elicits in viewers, and that's through 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 Bergman and just through her. I mean, just the way that she kind of fills up the frame, and just as the way that her eyes then fill up with tears when she, she sort of in the, in, in the singing of the of, of La Marseillaise, and but but even just the way that she that she lights up any mm. scene in which she appears. She doesn't have a ton of dialogue. It's not the most, uh, you know, this is not a terribly radical, uh, you know, certainly not a radical feminist uh, position that she takes in any in any respect. She's always sort of in tow with her, whether it's with Laszlo or Rick, for that matter. And, you know, and I even has that I, in fact, when talking with Molly about this is one of the lines that she finds so kind of cringeworthy in the film is when 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 she turns to Rick and, and asks him to do the thinking for for, for her. Yes. Know? Yes. Yeah, we, you do. You know, so so it has all that, and yet somehow she's just look the twenty-seven-year-old Swedish-born uh, Ingrid Bergman is is just as she she you know I, 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 the, the the book opens with this epigraph from her in which she talks about a you know kind of almost a mystical dimension of the of, of Casablanca that it kind of needed to excuse me the film in a way it, it filled a need and it filled a need that predated the 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 the, the, the preceded the film and that you know there is that sort of pent up need for a movie like this a movie that that the 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 you know that the 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 kind of follows a a um a, a character arc of 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 Rick Blaine you know and and this the the, the subordinating one's libidinal desires and one the little for for the greater good I mean this was certainly a message that was at the time when America you know just recently entered the fight and and when you still had a very very large and powerful isolationist faction in the US that wasn't quite ready to get into the war. And in fact, you know, the, the their main slogan, no foreign entanglements, I think was mm. still resonant for a lot of Americans. But to have that film perform that, you know, so it has an almost propagandistic function. It's it is aimed at, you know, just as the Capra series, Why We Fight, also, you know, much more explicitly took 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 on that task. But but Ingrid Bergman, you know, Yes, on, on some level, she's just kind of a, you know, a an appendage um, in, in certain scenes. And yet, despite that, she's just, she, she, she's not really what you'd call a scene stealer in the conventional sense of a scene stealer, but boy, does she light it up. What you were saying earlier, I was just thinking of the sort of, to, to translate that into a sort of meme language, it's sort of like, yeah, sex is great, but have you ever tried winning the Second World War with a friend? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that. Exactly. <laughs> that would be the, uh, the sort well, good of... Distil good distillation, John. I think that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty much it. And look, let's face it, there were there were two, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but there were two competing censorship bodies that both of which were bearing down on the film. There was the production code administration, the Hayes Code, which was the self-censorship body that went into effect in summer of 34 and remained intact until the, you know, the second half of the 60s. And then there was the Office of War Information that vetted all scripts and Films that were, you know, feature length uh, work that was done in Hollywood from the time, basically from 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 the moment after Pearl Harbor, you know, the same time that actually the, the script for Casablanca arrived in, in Burbank, California, Warner Brothers Studios, as, as fate would have it, um, up until the end of the war. And so in this particular instance, you know, the the sex is good, but winning the Second World War is obviously better. You, you take the final scene of the film about which there's so much conjecture and people love to kind of speculate but there's no way that 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 Ingrid Bergman can stay 
with 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 Bogey uh, that you know that that Ilsa can stay with Rick because well there are two reasons it's very very simple but, they, but people don't often think about these things one for her to stay with Rick would be tantamount to condoning adultery so you you're not going to get away with that with the production code mister and the other if she stays with Rick then she leaves her husband Victor to board that plane. And it will no doubt, you know, compromise the good fight. So this, it's it's the perfect solution. I mean, I the the the, uh, the ending of that film is 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 wonderful in many ways, including the you know the the Hal Wallace line, uh, Louis. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship, but also because it just so neatly kind of ties up this 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 this, this you know the the um, otherwise I- irredeemable uh, problem, right? What do you do with this 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 torrid love affair that cannot somehow continue and what do you do in terms of lending you know full-throated endorsement and support of the of the second world war and 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 that all gets worked out i mean and it's still miraculously enough thanks to i guess pal wallace's line and and you know claude rains and humphrey bogart marching off into the mist uh on the tarmac um is that it still ha- has enough ambiguity and in fact, so much ambiguity that, that many people speculate that that is in fact the true romance. The true romance is actually <laughs> is, is actually Captain Renault and Rick. But anyway, um, if so I was a woman, Rick, I'd be very jealous. I I would I would be in love with 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 with, with you or with Rick if I, if I were a woman and if, and if I weren't around. I think too is the way he says something. That brilliant line, and if I weren't around, mm-hmm. oh, that's that's a mm-hmm. cracker. That's a, oh, he's such a good character. He's wonderful, and he and he, and he gets the best lines actually in terms in terms of the wit. He gets mm-hmm. the lines that were, were, were no doubt crafted by the the Epstein twins, Philip and Julius, who were known for their for their for their really really mordant sense of humor, and and for their irreverent wit. And that's and that irreverent wit, I think, is all in the hands of. Well, I mean, Bogey has some great lines too, but I think that Claude Rains. As Captain Renault really gets in some of the some of the zingers, you you feel it's a, a sort of an ensemble movie in that sense. That uh, there's no, I mean, that's what I loved about your book as well. It brought out loads of stories. Some some of the stuff I didn't know, like Yvonne and uh, the Russian bartender were actually yeah. married and stuff like that. But uh, uh, you, you got halfway there, y- Yvonne and the croupier, and and and, uh, and right, and, the croupier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Not the, the Russian bartender's Leonid Kinsky, and he's 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 a funny one. But he was basically a drinking buddy of of Bogey. That's how he ended up getting cast in the film. But no, it's it's Marcel Dalio, who was you know a genre, a major star of uh, genre noirs, uh, whether it's Rules of the Game or Grand Illusion. But they were married. Yeah, Vaughn right, and, and, right. and 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 we're in the process of getting divorced actually during the production. I mean, that's the the thing that there's a sort of a, a symbiosis, if that's the right word. I've got a horrible feeling it isn't, but let's see where we get to the end of the sentence. Uh, between the fictional sort of Rick's Cafe and the you know the original play was called Everybody Comes to Rick, and uh, and the movie in, in the sense that it's got all these immigrants and all these people coming to the movie at a precise point in history, in the same way the characters are coming to Castle blanket a precise point of history not because they want to but because of of history you know yeah but i think you i don't think it's a bad word at all symbiosis i think that the the different players especially you know you get about 75 members or so of the of the extended cast so not just the 14 or so uh credited players the principals 
But of those 75, nearly all of them were, were you know, European-born refugees, and many of them had actually lived through much of the history that's being told on screen. And so there is this almost strange symbiotic relationship between the script. I mean, there's something that's, that, that, that is, you know, to use, to use uh, uh, Ingrid Bergman's term, mystical or magical, if you prefer, and, and, and just, you know, it, 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 I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a film in which the actors, the technical crew, the, the, the writers, and we go back to everybody comes to Rick's that was, you know, began after Marie Burnett had witnessed the, the you know, the Anschluss and the, 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 these languishing refugees in Vienna hoping to secure exit visas. All of that is so completely bound up with the, 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 the project and, the, and represented in the very figures, both on screen and, and, and off. I mean, I think it's, it is, there is some sort of a strange, almost symbiotic relationship between the material and the players who had a hand in it, whether, and I, when I say players, I don't mean necessarily in this particular case, just the actors. I mean, the different, the different agents sort of mm -hmm. in its, in its creation. So again, starting with, you know, the, the 27 year old English teacher, Murray Burnett from New York city, who ends up traveling to Europe that fateful summer of, of, of 38. And his writing partner, Joan Allison, who helps him to craft the three-act stage play, Everybody Comes to Rick's, through, you know, the Epstein twins, uh, uh, um, Philip and Julius, who I mentioned Capra's Why We Fight. I mean, they, they, they stopped their work near the, near the beginning to go off to D.C. and to work with Frank Capra and creating these, these you know, these documentary films that, you know, propagandistic in nature meant to, meant to convince the, the, the American public at large to support the war. And then all the way through, you know, Mike Curtiz, who has uh, Michael Curtiz, the director who has family still stranded in Europe, S.C. Sakal, similar position, both of them Hungarian born, also has family, fam family stranded. Let's not forget about the producer, how, how, how Wallace, this was one in a string of, of his signature, uh, uh, today's actually Paul Henry's birthday. Ah, right. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, the, fir the, the first major Hal B. Wallace production was now Voyager, which was still, you know, playing in theaters with Paul Henry and, and Betty Davis. I just sent out a tweet today, you know, the famous scene of him lighting the two cigarettes and passing one to Betty Davis. Mm. But, but, but so, 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 uh, uh, how Wallace, who was very much aware of, of, of the kind of urgency of a film like this, even Jack Warner, who was really more concerned with a buck, making a buck than anything else. He, he, he was aware of it and would had the, had the, you know, the wisdom to to when when the film was already in the can but the you know the the, the release date was not till 43 on thanksgiving day 42 they end up they end up releasing it because of the great success the the really breathtaking success of, of general Patton's troops in north africa in operation torch so casablanca is on the front page of every newspaper in north america and presumably also across the the pond but um so all of these people are somehow really deeply invested in a in 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 a, in a in a film that otherwise is just another kind of routine, you know, routine work at an assembly line, you know, production like Warner Brothers. But because of all these other factors, it's not just that routinized work. It's not just another, you know, another title on the already crowded docket of productions that Warner Brothers happens to be working on that year it stands out and it stands out for that reason. And in fact, that's what, you know, Pauline Kael, she once was, she was interviewed by Algene Hermits, uh, 
who did a great making of uh, the book called Round Up the Usual Suspects, good title, right? And she interviewed Pauline. Pauline Kael was long, had long passed, but I interviewed a lot of people as well. <laughs> um, but 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 uh, many many of the of the of the cast members had had long passed. In fact, you mentioned Madeleine LeBeau, you know, who plays Yvonne, Rick's on again, off again, you know, Paramore. She had just passed when I was finishing the book in a in a Spanish coastal town, and she was the last of the you know principal cast members to to to, to die. But Algene Hartmann's interviewed Pauline Kael who otherwise didn't have much, you know, uh, charitable, <laughs> didn't have a very charitable assessment of the film. She called it schlocky romanticism, but she interviewed her. And what Pauline Gale said is that because of all of these people who were playing in the film, who actually had come from that world, who spoke, you didn't have Americans doing poor, you know, sort of shoddy, shoddy accents, uh, you know, doing their best to impersonate, you know, Germans, Austrians, French, etc. You actually had these people who had, witnessed the events who had who had come from 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 Europe who had fled the Nazi regime themselves who were either playing refugees on screen or in the case of someone like Conrad Veidt who was a principled anti-Nazi of course playing a Nazi himself because who knows the Nazis better than than, than Conrad Veidt so but but all that is what what she Pauline Kael suggested gave the film something that, that that it otherwise would not have had and would have merely been in her words, schlocky romanticism. Oh, schlocky romanticism. That's my bag, though. I like that. I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll pretend I'll pretend to think Citizen Kane is the best film ever made, but I really yeah. I really think it's yeah. Casablanca when mm-hmm. it comes down to it. That's yeah, that's what that's what that's what Roger Ebert once said. Another, another sorry, I keep naming all these American critics for you. I, no, I, no, I'll, no. I'll get to some of the Brits in a second. But uh, but uh, Ebert Ebert said people always ask him what's what's his favorite movie? And I think he almost felt obliged to say Citizen Kane, but then he said, then they ask, what's what, what's the movie that you most enjoy watching? He says, Casablanca. So, yeah. and I think that's that, that's an important distinction to make, and it's an invidious comparison anyway, though, sort of Kane versus together, such such completely different movies. But I do think you're right. One of them, there, there was a, a piece that came out in the New York Times Book Review many years ago, a guy named Dan, Dan Coyce, which was, was on aspirational viewing. You know, the movies that you think, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, claiming that, 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 that you... Uh, that the that you love uh, a Tolstoy or that you know that 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 you you know the aspirational reading. I'm trying to think of other 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 you know towering European novelists that people claim to love. Thomas Mann, whatever, uh, Proust, etc. Proust, I was, yeah, um, I was going to say Proust. Yeah, Mann, yeah, exactly, exactly. You, you could, nothing, nothing like uh, cuddling up in bed and 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 reading Swan's Way or you know, would, would, <laughs> or, or or Robert. Musial as well, uh, man without mm. qualities. I mean, these these massive novels, this is aspirational reading, and the same is true, I think, in in the sort of celluloid universe. There are certain films that you know have a have a kind of gravitas, none none more perhaps than than Citizen Kane, and people feel that they must claim that as part of their whatever their 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 reper- their repertory of favorite films but i agree with you and i'm not suggesting that kane is in any way a bad movie not at all but it's nowhere near as pleasurable an experience as watching casablanca and i think i can say that even you know, needless to say i'm biased but mm-hmm. you'd be hard pressed to find people who would tell you otherwise <laughs> i mean it, i i don't know if this is necessarily a sort of criteria that you can even use critically but i would l- happily live in casablanca 
I would I would happily stay in Ricks, but I wouldn't want to live in any in Xanadu. You know, I would. You know, it's yeah. so maybe it's it, there's just that that I Citizen yeah. Kane again. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We don't have to compete. You, you brought to mind uh, um, uh, Purple Rose of Cairo. Isn't Purple Rose of Cairo where you enter into the into the celluloid universe? Exactly. Um, yeah. And and uh, I'm with you. I. I it, it, it's a it, it is a thoroughly enchanting and even seductive world. Uh, uh, yes, and 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 yes, Xanadu, Xanadu is we do we're kind of heading more into succession land in in Xanadu. I mean, <laughs> yeah, a beautiful gilded cage. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, ab- absolutely. I thought <laughs> sort of just winding back a little bit when we were talking yeah. about the immigrants in the in the background and everything and the accents. You know, I think you call one of your chapters actually. Um, uh such, such much, much. Yeah. yes because that that um dialogue that so much o'clock such much yeah yeah that, exactly what exactly. Clock? It's, it's just it is it is a, a direct and 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 wooden translation from 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 the german it's just the it's you know word it, for word coming up with what would be the idiomatic expression in english is they just go straight from from the german to the english and that's where you get that and it's very very funny i think i mean especially funny if you i mean i think it's funny for anybody but uh it is uh, you know they, so so these are two austrian uh refugee actors ilke gruning and and ludwig stoessel who are playing refugees en route to america just as they themselves were just years ago um, and then you have the, uh, you know, Hungarian-born cabaret uh, uh, actor, Essie um, uh, Sakal Cuddles, as he as he as he was known, the <laughs> jowly fellow Carl, uh, and he is cuddly, right? Come on, yeah, you gotta, you, he's you a gotta, Dr. Snuggles. Is a very is, is definitely a very uh, a very appropriate nickname, I think. Um, you know, who listens to them and says, "Oh yes, you will you will get along beautifully in America." <laughs> 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 you know oh sure you will i brought, well, yes, I brought the good brandy he said yeah 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 <laughs> this exactly this is, this, is, this, is, this is just what 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 only what the uh he says drink nur die angestellten he says and he says it in this very very viennese inflected german you know only only the only the staff you know gets a hold of this this is only right. for the for the, basically for the insiders so he, he he brings it yes and, and he says but the good brandy and a third glass he says and a third glass <laughs> so, so that he can have the brandy with them I mean, that's where the, i think there's a warmth and a generosity in the film is that you're not laughing at your know, johnny foreigner for not getting the right no. words you're 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 sort of with them you know absolutely and you're cheering them on the fact that they're preparing to go to america the fact that they're among the lucky ones who you know who secured an exit visa and absolutely no there's there's nothing cold heart far from it i mean i think you're the the, you, the terms you just used warmth and generosity i mean i i think watching casablanca in many respects even the if you you know there are the slightly more propagandistic aspects of the film and i think it's important to recognize those but taken as a whole it's really like you know it's a warm bath i mean it's, mm. it's just there there is so much of that of that generous spirit and and i think that that you know, it's funny. So when writing, I was writing the book already, already, uh, you know, Trump was in, 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 had just begun his term uh, as president. And the kind of xenophobia and anti-foreigner rhetoric was really just getting amped up. And so it was very difficult for me to look at this picture and to think of this larger 
kind of cultural history that I try to, you know, recount in the book without it being somehow refracted through the lens of the present and, 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 and you know, the Syrian refugees who were being, you know, who, who were also waiting in rapt anticipation the way that the, the, the refugees in, in North Africa were to, to, you know, to cross the Atlantic and those, 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 uh, you know, um, treacherous, treacherous journeys from, 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 from Greece, you know, to, 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 uh, where were they headed to, to, to Spain, in fact, yeah, um, yeah. yeah from North yeah. Africa to Italy and from, from sort of, yeah. From yeah, the, exactly. There, 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 there are these different, I mean, these are the, these yeah. are the other refugee trails. I'm a bit geographically yeah. challenged here. I'm trying to remember exactly the, the route that they took, but yes, uh, uh, I remember they, that they were, they were on Lesbos. There was a, a huge group of, of 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 refugees that had come from 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 Syria, and you're right in Italy. And again, in that in that moment, uh, we, we weren't we didn't have that that that, that you know that the, the message that was being transmitted so powerfully in Casablanca to audiences circa 42, 43, which is we need to do something we need to and 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 it was just the opposite you know you whether it was in italy or whether it was in the us or whether it was in hungary uh or or elsewhere this sort of nativist rhetoric and 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 the, you know and 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 these autocratic regimes it was beginning to to really resonate again for me um and, and become that much more urgent i mean just as so when 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 Murray Burnett returned from Europe that in thirty eight, he told his writing partner Joan Allison that you know they, they have to do something. We we need to you know we need we, we there was an urgency. Mm. This was so they were writing this. It wasn't just so much uh, or, or exclusively in the name of art that they were writing. Uh, Everybody comes to Ricks, but also in the name of politics. Um, and you kind of have the the in 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 in, in sort of thicker brushstrokes, but you have that backdrop already in the in the in the in the three act stage play and of course that gets that gets that gets punched up by the by the epsteins and by howard koch in the in the adapted screenplay and of course you've got the the sort of the thing that isn't spoken of underneath it and now watching it is sort of unavoidable of like um nobody says the word jew in the in the film but that you can't watch it uh, post 1945 and not be watching it with that with that idea that you know many of these people who are trying to get out are fleeing for their lives uh, because they're Jewish. Correct. I mean, the, the majority of them were, and yeah. or at least it, you know, even if they didn't consider themselves to be Jewish, the right. Nazi regime had branded them Jewish. And what I mean by that is that these many of them were so thoroughly assimilated that in many respects they and this is their you know this is almost a cliche at this point but thought themselves to be more german or more austrian than the than the austrians or germans so so they were then suddenly branded jews and and unwanted and and you know uh thus forced to 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 flee but you're absolutely right i mean essentially there there are a few exceptions but i i always the, the bookmarks that i tend to give is you know between around the jazz singer and, and gentleman's agreement you just don't have references to, to, to Jews on screen. There are a few exceptions. Right, in fact, right. uh, Claude Rains plays a rabbi in a Warner Brothers production. Oh God, I wish I could give you the title, but 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 in, in, in the 40s, and that's one of the very, very few exceptions. But you're right. I mean, I think I, it's it's funny. I, I I I don't know whether audiences in 42, 43, so from you know Thanksgiving Day on, onwards, from, from November and then into the 
into 43, 44 during the war would have necessarily thought of that. I, 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 I almost think not, um, only because newspapers were so careful all, 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 all manner of media. So, 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 you know, just as in the, in, in the picture business too, and this has been written about it at, at, at considerable length, but you had these, the, many of the, the, you know, studio bosses had come from Europe themselves, uh, were Jewish, um, as well. They didn't want to rock the boat and they didn't want you know, one of the things that they were, 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 were really doing was, 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 you know, they were serving as sort of arbiter. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. ...of taste, and they were shaping American culture and American social mores and all that. They didn't want anybody to, 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 to look at their films. And in fact, this is, this is one of the things that happened when Harry Warner was brought in to testify before Congress in September of of uh of 41 just 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 months before the bombing of pearl harbor was he was accused of beating the drums of war and accused of being a pre there's uh, the term i mean it's it's to hear this term today it's it's amazing it makes me uh, it's not much of a threat in my case i'd say I pull out my hair but all my hair is gone so i can't that's not much of a threat <laughs> but 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 prematurely anti-fascist was the term that they used prematurely wow. anti-fascist wow. yeah, yeah yeah exactly so they were they were they were uh, beating the drums of war and they were prematurely anti-fascist. And so Perry Warner testified before this again very vocal and and uh, powerful isolationist faction in Congress. And you think once more about their chief slogan: no 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 foreign entanglement uh, entanglements. And you know there there was America uh, first essentially. Yeah yeah uh, yes 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 absolutely absolutely it was America first. It was. I mean that's it's, I mean you, the the line is direct. I don't think there's any stretch. People you know, you'll take some heat when you start drawing other affinities between you know, Nazi tactics and <laughs> and America first. But 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 I think that the line between the isolationists and nativists uh, in the 1940s to to the, 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 the Trumpers in America first, I mean, it, it's a very clear one. Mm. It's not even a jagged line. Right. But I, I, I think that they did not want, I know that they did not want to be thought of in any way as un-American. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's when you get the McCarthy years, you know, the House Un-American Activities Committee and they've been branded communist. They didn't want to be thought of as un-American. Communist even then, and that, that of course heats up even more uh, after the war or, or in any any respect different, really. I mean, they, 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 they there was a, 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 almost a moral imperative as they, as they saw it, I think, to make movies that spoke 
to middle America, to the masses, not niche stuff, not, not, you know, mm. it just didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't done. And, and obviously we've seen things move in a very, very different direction in, in Hollywood in recent years. But I think that that's taken a long, long time. And, um, I just was out in, in, in LA a couple, uh, weeks ago, actually three, three weeks ago at the uh, Academy Museum of Motion Pictures for a, for a Vienna and Hollywood series that they did. And I, I, I gave a, a keynote lecture on, on some like it hot, and then introduced a screening of Casablanca that night in the David Geffen theater. Oh, lovely. One of the, yeah, which was a lot of fun. So I don't mean to merely to toot my horn here, but one of the reasons I want to tell you is that one of the things that that that, that, that and I didn't follow, I didn't, this sort of stuff doesn't interest me too much. And it just, you know, it becomes almost like a shouting match that you'd find in, in you know, on Twitter or wherever. But there were there were people who felt that, that, that the Academy had not recognized the number of Jews who actually had helped because they, they still were operating in a way that, you know, didn't didn't want to speak speak to that. And I, you know, I I'm not sure that's entirely true, but I do think that there still is, you know, that 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 impulse has, you know, over generations has been, you know, don't don't draw too much attention to that. Don't, you know, be, be careful. You'd almost hear a, a grandmother telling you that or, or it would be the case of my 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 my, uh, uh, you know, family. But 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 don't 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 draw too much attention to yourself. Right. Um, and so, yes, in Casablanca, sorry, now to differ, small, small tangent there, but in Casablanca, I think it's that that principle applies. But I, I also think that that's that's why when you refer to the propaganda and I agree, you know, obviously it's, it's yeah. to the service of 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 you can see a very clear sort of propagandistic message. I don't mind it because I'm thinking, well, good we need we need to fight nazis i'm not right. i'm not in, i'm not that uncomfortable with it right i i agree wholeheartedly but it 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 it, it is there it's 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 uh, unlike other more subtle aspects of the film this is really front and center oh look the the, the drowning out of of die wacht am rhein which is one of the most famous and one of the most powerful scenes in the history of motion pictures yeah is is a is a clear call for people to stand up and sing for freedom. I mean, they're singing La Marseillaise in this case, and not uh, uh, whatever Star Spangled Banner. And that's that's what I was going to say. That doesn't that doesn't that to some degree sort of mitigate it because yeah, propaganda I, I, make, makes me feel of sort of nationalism, whereas this right. is more like internationalism. You've got the Spanish flamenco right. guitarist exactly. playing the you know. Carmen Mura was the moment that she starts starts playing that that guitar, you know, it's coming. I agree with you 100% here. Yes, were they to be standing up and singing God bless America, it would be a very different film. And in a way, having this international and it's a group of refugees, largely, who are standing up and singing as a sort of a surrogate, it still drives home the need to fight, right, the need to defend yourself, the need to, to do the right thing. I mean, that's, that's what's also I mean, in the 1940s, and by 42, for sure, at the latest, I think it's a pretty clear moral decision that needs to be made. And, and one that, you know, it, 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 to my mind, is really quite, quite easy to make. Mm. Um, but you're right, it's not espousing jingoism or nativism or anything, you know, none of any of the insidious ism. What it is calling for to, to, to a certain extent is a kind of internationalism, is co cooperation, cooperation among nations, cooperation among different uh, ethnicities and backgrounds to join forces to fight this evil. 
to fight mm. fascism. Mm. And also, I mean, the French, the, the Marseille comes out of the French Revolution and the sort of birth yeah. of modern liberalism and modern, yeah. you know. Yeah, 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 no, 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 you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um, interestingly, I mean, that's got a slightly tortured history, as, as so many songs do. I guess it was also used as a sort of rallying. I think I can't remember whether it was in the war against Algeria. I mean, it, 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 you know, all of these anthems end up finding their way into the muck. It seems. Yeah, it, it's got a couple of verses. I, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. There's something about blood and yeah. the sword, and I can't, I can't remember. But anyway, you know, what, 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 what's 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 being sung here, and what's so important is 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 uh that the citizens must rise and that the citizens must 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 you know must fight and 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 it's not you know again it's not militaristic it's a you know kind of a a, a popular front really and and it's funny I, these are things that are that are more subtle they're brought up but and they and they and they harken back to the to the to the stage play to everybody comes to ricks but you know rick rick blaine was also a freedom fighter. I mean, he 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 was fighting on the side of the loyalists in Spain, as as Claude Rains's character Captain Renault reminds him, and, and got he paid very from... well both times. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you would have been paid much better had you been on the side of the victors. What he what he says. Yes. Uh, so so yeah, he he so he's definitely not only a man of the left, clearly, and in, in the, you know if you're going to kind of uh, dissect things politically. But he's also somebody who likes to fight on the side of the underdog. And this right. the, 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 the group assembled inside Rick's Cafe, the, who do they represent more than anything else? The underdog. They're the ones who are the persecuted. They're the ones who must rise and fight against the Nazis. And that's, I mean, this is all part of the sort of propagandistic nature of the film, but it's good propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and, and even uh, Laszlo at the end says, you know, we're going to win this time. And that yeah, exactly. this time is like, because we never win. <laughs> right, right, exactly. This time I know our side will win. That's right. That's what he says to Rick because Rick has joined, you know, and he knows too. This is what's funny because, you know, poor Paul Henry, whose birthday is being celebrated today. Happy birthday, um, Paul. He, 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 happy birthday, Paul. And his daughter, Monica, we, we all traveled to to Morocco together on this this State Department junket that was a lot of fun. Algene Harmetz was there, Jessica Rains, Claude Rains's daughter. But Monica Henry is doing a, a terrific job of preserving the the legacy of her father, and she has a documentary film that she it's, it's uh, um, Paul Henry Beyond Victor Victor Laszlo, I believe is the title. But anyway, Paul Henry is especially here. I don't know whether this is so much the case in 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 the UK, but he's often just eclipsed by Bogart. People, the love of Bogart, you know, people are always I'm I'm on Team Rick. They're always you know right. you need to declare <laughs> your. And, 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 but Paul Henry really does embody the spirit of 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 the you know anti-nazi under and again th that's who he was he wasn't you know this is this this is you know he's of course performing he is an actor after all but this is you know th those were his convictions and mm. he and he embodies them with, with 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 such power i think he's accused on occasion of people who are less terrible say, oh he's a bit of an empty you know whatever stuffed stuffed shirt or empty empty suit uh, he, he's stiff compared to rick but it's easy to look stiff compared to rick when Ingrid Bergman <laughs> is 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 planting her you know her her, her her mouth on 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 bogey and only giving the occasional peck on the cheek I know, to, that's... To, 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 to to Victor. So one one question I've got, and this is a really this is might be my stupidity that I'm revealing, but when Rick at the end says to Victor. She came to my. She came up yeah. to my room last night and pretend, 
pretended she still loved me and I let her pretend. Yeah. Is he saying to Victor, I had sex with your wife? Yes. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) He's just kind of coming, he's coming clean about it, but that's exactly what he's saying. Ah, man. Because I was watching it this time going, I've never noticed this before. What the hell is he saying? That's exactly what he's saying. And visually, that's what Arthur Edison's uh, 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 camera is telling us when, 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 you know, when uh, uh, Ilsa goes to visit Rick and try to get those letters of transit from him and in the process, you know, falls, fall, falls into his arms and they have that, 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 that impassioned embrace, you know, the kind of kiss that you never see with Laszlo. Again, mm-hmm. why is it that Rick looks so good? Um, but that's when Edison's camera, you know, gives us the, 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 the that phallic um oh the post tower the post yeah, yeah. lighthouse <laughs> the light we, we we get we get the watchtower and then and then rick smoking the post the sort of postcoital cigarette all these were you know this is just the way in which hollywood movies from the 1940s could communicate with savvy audiences saying oh yes they just slept together and rick rhetorically again in terms of if you think i was mentioning screwball comedy moments ago and Molly Haskell and 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 uh, you know her 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 great work on that period. But screwball comedy was famous for 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 using you know innuendo, double entendre, that sort of stuff. And in a way, what what Rick is doing there, not so much innuendo, <laughs> but, is, <laughs> but is but is basically telling audiences, oh yeah, she came, you know, she pretended to still love me, and and I let her pretend. Now in, in a very very innocuous vein, okay, you let her, she let let her pretend, big deal. She what did she? So she gave him a hug, wrist, and a kiss. But really, <laughs> what he's saying is, I slept with your wife. Yeah. Um, and I felt it's, felt a, it's a single you know. entendre, really. Yeah. Right, 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 exactly. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Going back a little bit to as well to uh, one of the things that um, always amazes me about Casablanca is how Michael Curtiz's reputation is not much higher than than, you know, on the on the basis of this film, you know, Citizen Kane, unbelievable masterpiece. I love Orson Welles. He's justly, you know, that Mankiewicz guy didn't didn't just scribbled a few notes. I'm not not entirely (laughs) impressed by him. (laughs) <laughs> but, but you know, Michael Curtiz directs this phenomenal film and it's not, you know, a, a, it has a raft of phenomenal films and yet doesn't seem to get, and he has, a, he has a style. It's not just, he's not just a jobbing director. He fills the screen. He's, uh, he's yeah. as much a technical, uh, yeah. accomplished, uh, sorry, a technically accomplished director as Spielberg. Uh, right, in, right. In my, oh, well, absolutely. In fact, I think Spielberg kind of in a way picks up on Spielberg's much more akin to, to Curtiz than he is to Wells. That's for oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Or, or Kubrick or any of those yeah, 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 yeah. sort of. Yeah. yeah. In fact, by the way, I keep singing the praises of, of, of dear old Molly, but she, she wrote this great book on Spielberg. Which, oh, of course. It, yes. it, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 she's not a, not a major fan, but the, I think was turned out to be the, the best person to write a book like that because she wasn't just a, you know, a fanboy or fangirl. And, and kind of came came to to, to Spielberg critically. It's 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 a good read. But I I, I agree with you. Um, you know, Curtis has recently there 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 is a a, a a good biography and it's a kind of joint biography bi- biography slash critical study by Alan Rohde that came out not too long ago. R O D E. He he says his name Rohde. 
Um, R-O-D-E. Yeah. I'm just writing yeah. it down as yeah, we yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he'd be interesting to, to have a conversation with. Um, he, the book came out after the Casablanca book, maybe a year or so, but we did, we definitely did a, an event or two together. We did one in DC, in Sil Silver Spring, actually, at the AFI, American Film Institute. And so he, 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 he's, he's, I think, brought new attention to Curtis, but you're right. Mm -hmm. He's definitely not thought of, and this is something, it's funny. I'm currently working on uh, uh, two, two, <laughs> two books and no books at the same time, but uh, a book a book on on some like it hot and a book on on Wilder in the same series as the Spielberg series for Mo the, the, the the Molly Hassel's book appeared this this Yale Jewish Life series. These are short interpretive biographies. Right. Wilder was very different from 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 Curtis in many 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 respects. Starting with the fact that Wilder is is at heart a, a writer and 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 continued to be a writer and and at the very least would co-write the scripts of his American films in addition to directing them. So there's that aspect. But both of them, what they share in common, in addition to their you know Middle European backgrounds and their accents, is that they were both you know kind of snubbed a bit by the by the auteurist critics. Who looked for that personal and and you know the the the, the personal uh, uh, touch that 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 sort of that that unmistakable visual style that that leaves a sort of signature stamp of the director Ford Hawks Hitchcock um, uh, others who were really championed Lang who were championed by by the French Cahier you know the, the critics around Cahier de Cinema mm. and then on on these shores by those who kind of fell under the spell of of Molly's late husband, Andrew Serres, who whose book, you know, uh, the American cinema in 1968 was kind of a, a Bible for 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 budding American cinephiles who began to kind of categorize and organize films using using those 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 categories. And, and in fact, with, with Wilder, I think he's in less than meets the eye. <laughs> nice category, right? Um, not, 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 not the Pantheon directors. And I can't even remember where Curtis finds himself. I remember I did a, I did a, a, a critical biography of Edgar, Edgar G. Ulmer, and he, he, found, he found his way into the expressive esoterica category of Saris's book. Um, I, don't, I can't, I can't remember whether, whether, whether Curtis did even worse than, than Ulmer, such very, very different directors. Um, but, but, but the Wilder and Curtis were just not thought of. Uh, in the same vein as these these auteurist, I always joke with my students that they tend to be uh, white guys with eye patches. They almost all, you know, whether it's <laughs> Nick Ray or Fuller, they all they all they all have an eye patch. John Ford, uh, uh, Lang, Ford, exactly. They got you got to have an eye patch. It's those sort of renegade renegade directors, you know. Pirates. They're all a bunch of pirates. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and, and Curtis was not, and Curtis, he made so many movies. I mean, if you look at his filmography, it's staggering. I can't even tell you. I mean, he definitely into the triple digits. I don't know where 165, I mean, just crazy, crazy number of films. And he was enormously efficient as well as enormously proficient. And you're right though, despite that, despite that, the, the, that, that, you know, the, his ability to kind of churn out high quality films, he does, as you put it, I think fill out the frame. He does, you know, he, he he is attentive to visual aspects. He's not just some sort of a hack director. Not at all. I think maybe he's 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 um, he's a victim of his own success in that he basically dictates what studio style becomes, and then you just go, oh, he's just doing the studio style. Well, no, he's he's actually making what everybody else is aspiring to around him. 
And I mean, I do have my problems with Curtis a little bit because I do feel, you know, after, a couple of years after Casablanca, he makes San, the Santa Fe Trail, which is one of the most yeah. horrible racist films uh, <laughs> of, of that period of sort of black yeah, people yeah. saying, oh, no, yeah. we quite like slavery. Don't don't yeah, get us all yeah. riled up. You know, it's 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 birth of the nation, but like 30, 40 years, 30 years later. So I do I'm not I'm not like just you know celebratory without any, but I just think in, in terms of those achievements, Mildred Pierce, you know. Oh yeah, oh, Mildred Pierce is a great going, movie. All the way back to the thirties as well, and the you know, the the sort of like creepy films that he made. He made horror movies. I mean, they're yeah. all great, you know. Oh yeah, he oh and he oh and he really churned out the silence, I don't know, with two reelers three realists five like he, he he did it all and then one of my biggest funny i was i was just i just read that by the the memoir by by mel brooks and you know, i was thinking of uh you know uh uh robin hood men in men in tights but he had did you know he did the the, the robin hood that was a great success right yeah the, the errol flynn yeah the errol flynn and and he, he had a lot of uh you know box office success for sure but definitely for whatever reason and the reasons i think we spelled them out at least some of them right now but didn't didn't attain the kind of um, status that some of these of these of these auteur directors uh, managed to achieve in the eyes of you know of of the of the discerning critic. And then the, I think the, the one of the people we haven't really spoken about much that we we could sort of close on, if you like, is also um, Humphrey Bogart, which is that my first entry into the movie was definitely, as I said before, a sort of Humphrey Bogart season even though it was Ingrid Bergman probably that, that hooked me. But um but Bogart, this is this is kind of like a surprising sort of peak of his career, really. Oh, it's a huge, huge transition for him. And mm. he was very concerned about it. He didn't know whether he had what it took to be a, you know, romantic lead, a Hollywood, you know, lead, leading man. He'd played all of these these these, you know, toughs, these uh these thugs. Um um uh, it's ironic that the, the the one of the many biographies written on Bogart that came out uh, by Stephen Stephen Canfer, which is, is tough without a gun, whereas you know he's often one of the gun toad. But I guess he is so tough. You think about it, Maltese Falcon. He doesn't necessarily need a gun. He's just. Uh, but yeah, he came. You know, this is sort of hot on the heels of the Maltese Falcon, which which um, which which Bergman was said to have have gone and why it was still still in theatrical release. And she 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 claimed in one of the many interviews. That, that she would go and watch that movie as a means of trying to understand who this Humphrey Bogart was because they really mm. they, they didn't have much of I mean people think of this movie as what oh, what a, what what are the most romantic and kind of erotically charged relationships on screen or whatever but they they it wasn't there off screen and uh, and she found him kind of inscrutable but 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 he he was very concerned about playing a romantic lead. I mentioned, you know, moments ago, we were talking about Paul Henry at his Laszlo, and you know, he only gets a little peck on the cheek, and is and is and is a psychoanalyst who was once in the crowd in Philadelphia. And when I was peddling the book, said to me, he says, "He's really daddy. He's daddy. <laughs> Paul Henry. <laughs> he's, he's daddy." And Rick is the is the lover. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll go with that. I'm like, please, please don't psychoanalyze me now. But uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> It, it, the, the 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 many many things that 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 uh, that worried Bogart were one the height differential. He was very worried that that Ingrid Bergman would tower above him, and so he wears in the in the in the in the nine minute flashback um, to Paris. 
he wears in their dancing to perfidia he wears these three inch you know platform shoes so that he can <laughs> at least take care of that part also he wasn't known to be able to dance much um not not a great dancer and so he was a little bit worried about that and he said uh in 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 an interview he says he says i didn't really do much different in casablanca than i did in the many many films that predate it it's just with ingrid bergman when she looks at me the way that she does on screen poof suddenly i was a romantic lead and 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 as fate would have it also the highest paid male actor in hollywood from that point onward so so I mean, it was a it was a a really transformative uh, role for Bogey. I mean, look, there are a lot of other other wonderful performances, especially when you think of his and, and not only his later relationship with Lauren Bacall, but also the performances on screen with Lauren Bacall in To Have and Have Not and The Big Sleep. And so you know, he, he there are many many more more performances that the Bogart had still had ahead of him. But this is the one I think that that well, just like the beginning of a beautiful friendship, this was the beginning of a new phase for Bogart's career as a romantic lead. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, he sort of it gives him a freedom to do quite a lot of different things. And he, even going back to Wilder, you get him in turning up in Sabrina Fair. As, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and you know again there's a mismatch in terms of age and in terms of sort of oh, lumin yeah. luminosity and he's like a black hole. He sort of just sucks yeah. in. Yeah. The... Wilder regretted that casting decision and they did not get along at all. And Bo Bogey really uh, apparently mocked Wilder's accent a lot on scene, uh, on, not on screen, on, on set. And, right. and uh, that, that, that drove, uh wilder a bit crazy uh and, and he had some nasty words for him afterwards but um but he also you know when, when bogart was dying wilder you know went and, and and visited him and i think that they patched things up um but yeah that 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 was an odd casting choice in sabrina i think um but you know he he, he he's bogey and together together with the young audrey hepburn he despite the 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 age in the look, this especially at that point in time these massive age differences, they didn't seem to mean, and, and especially in Wilderland, you think of, for instance, Love in the Afternoon, Gary Cooper and Audrey Hepburn, too. Yeah. Equal, equally large age difference didn't, didn't really much matter. And, and, and when you think about it, <laughs> as we know how, as Susan Sontag, of course, also remarked about how movies taught us how to, how to, how to, how to act, how to, how to carry ourselves, when to, as she also says it in the same piece she says uh, that, that, that it, it, they tell us that it, it looks it looks cool to wear a to wear a trench coat <laughs> um but but i think that sure i mean the, you you see all these movies with older men and young they they plant lots of ideas i think in in we're talking about aspirational viewing <laughs> there's then also aspirational be you know sort of wish fulfillment aspirational behavior and i think a lot of these these films i'm not suggesting that that was in any way their malicious intent but I think that the people do have a tendency to emulate what they see on screen. And, and I mean, it even makes it explicit in the flashback period when they're talking about where were you like this time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had braces on my teeth. I was looking exactly. for a job. You know, it's like yeah, exactly. You weren't the same age, were you? <laughs> Not even close. Not even close. Listen, Noah, I would uh, like to ask you one final question, which is I want a, a book recommendation off you. We always ask for a film book recommendation. So what would you 
what would you suggest our our listeners uh, go and pick up? Oh God! So I mentioned I just read the the the, the, the memoir by Mel Brooks. That was a lot of fun. I'm not sure I'm, that would not be the one that I recommend. It was I had a good time. It was over the holidays and. And I got a good laugh at certain moments. I'm thinking of getting that on audiobook, actually, because Mel Brooks is actually oh, that doing would be the fun. audiobook. That so. would be really fun. I really, really, excuse me, enjoyed uh, the, the Mark Harris's last book, the 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 bi the biography of. Um, <laughs> Oh, Mike, Nichols. Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols. Nichols. Thank you very much. For some reason, uh, I, al I, I always thinking, blank on that name I, I as well. I have to confess, I was just thinking of Elaine May. I'm like, biography of Elaine, Elaine May. <laughs> play, you know, like the guy, the unknown guy who plays opposite of Elaine May in the early work. Yes, of Mike Nichols. That's a great read, really great read. He's a terrific writer. And, and, and it's a wonderful story. And the story of Mike Nichols is fascinating. From his, you know, Berlin childhood to America, to the work, early work that he did at the University of Chicago with Elaine May to this full range of, of movies. And incidentally, it's funny, Mike Nichols is very different from Curtiz, but they both trafficked in so many different genres and took on, and some of the movies, you know, were great hits, others were, were, were terrible flops. I actually think Nick is funny. There's a point in the biography by Harris where he 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 uh, quotes from Wilder gave gave uh, uh, Nichols some, 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 some advice. I think it was something along, if I'm not mistaken, is, uh, he says, when you're telling a story, you need to be sure to leave a few pearls behind, I think is what he said. Mm. Um, but 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 uh, I think Wilder and Nichols maybe have an even even closer kinship. Um, the thing that's that, that that's fascinating in that I mean, the book is terrific. So that's my endorsement. But sure. the, that's fascinating for me is I, I'm not as much of a theater person. I don't really come from the theater world, but 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 Nichols clearly did. Um, and that's something that I think also sets him apart from Curtiz, from Wilder, from others. I mean, they're, they're all from the old country, so to speak. And, and you know, Nichols was, was considerably younger than either of the other two we've been talking about. But, but he also very much came out of the theater, just as so many directors did in, from, that, from the very world into which he was born. You know, all of those who fled to Max Reinhardt and worked together with Max Reinhardt, that great theater impresario, in Vienna at the Theater in the Josefstadt or later at the, uh, the, the, the Deutsches Theater in, in, in Berlin. Um, in, in Nichols's case, he, you know, really came out of, of the world of the theater. And that's the kind of transition that, that, that he makes to the screen. But that's a wonderful read. Sorry. Again, I, I think it's the coffee talking at this point, John. I, I went off a bit on a tangent, but that, I think that's the book that I would recommend. I did like a lot, though. This is fun. I, apropos of watching movies with mom, there is a kind of, uh, as the title will tell you in a second, but the uh, uh, endearing and, 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 and kind of lovely book by Michael Koreski called Films of Endearment. Oh, no, and, I, haven't, I haven't heard yeah, of that. Yeah, and, and it's, it's about what, what, what his sort of his history or, I mean, it's mainly memoir, but, but, but of, of, of watching movies with his mother and how that kind of shaped him as a, as a, as a lover of film and as a, as a, as a, as a critic, that one, I really enjoyed. What else? I don't know. I, I gave you a couple. <laughs> that, that, those sound great. That last, that was, uh, last one I haven't, uh, I haven't oh, heard of. So. Oh, one last on. one, one go last ahead. one. Sorry. Cause I'm not, I'm not quite done with it, but I'm really loving it is Dana Stevens new book on Buster Keaton. She, she she has a new book that's on Keaton. It's called Cameraman, and it's not just on Keaton, but it's on Keaton how Keaton's work kind of how it how it how it jibes or dovetails with 
all of these other things that are happening in the 20th century, how Keaton is sort of a, a, a key player agent in that, in that, in that larger kind of historical, so, socio-political uh, and historical constellation. So it, it, that's, that's a terrific read. I'm about three, three quarters of the way done with that now. Oh, I'm definitely getting that because I, I've emailed Dana as well, and she's, uh, I think she's open to coming on uh, as a guest. So I want to read it, obviously, before, before she does. And I'm a yeah. huge Buster Keaton fan. Buster Keaton is my, uh, is my go-to happy place. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, it makes good sense. We're going to start with Buster Keaton in a couple of weeks. I'm teaching a, 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 a comedies of classical Hollywood. We'll begin, we're going to begin with Keaton. We'll begin with Keaton, Keaton Chaplin, maybe a bit of Harry Lloyd. We'll see, and then and then we'll get into the talkies. You know, get right, into to, right. to, 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 to Lubitsch, get into uh, the original uh, uh, Thin Man, a little, little bit of William, uh, you know, Powell. William Powell and, and Myrna Loy, and then into some you know sort of screwball land for a good while, and then make our way up to. Uh, up to um, we I, I we end with with uh, so so girls trip um, uh, crazy rich Asians and book smart will be the will be the last <laughs> last movies that we get to so we sort of get out of the classical but look look for the a certain resonance or a certain structural impact that 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 uh, in terms of script in terms of story that these classical com you know comedies from classical Hollywood have for for, for later. For later comedies but Com um, comedy is so difficult isn't it I mean, comedy is so so difficult to recognize current comedy i think it's easy to look back and go oh i love blazing saddles i love yeah. you know uh all, all the you know um airplane or what whatever and that but but right now it's it's i i mean i it took me ages to watch clueless and just think god this is an amazing this is a brilliant film it's a yeah i used to teach that every semester and a big i did a big lecture class a sort of history of of uh of of cinema and and i would teach it, it's a great it's a great it's a great movie and it's a great movie in the classroom it's the student there's so much to make of clueless it's a, it, it it's uh it's worth it's worth revisiting or for people who've never discovered it certainly worth discover this discovering um and amy heckerling the 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 director is just enormously talented and has a wonderful wonderful career and is is, is worthy of uh reappraisal for sure yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, thank you, Noah, so much for spending this time with me. And uh, uh, and yeah, and, and congratulations on the book, man. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, you're very kind. It was a lot of fun talking with you, John. And um, yeah, I know that the Faber paperback is definitely still 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 out. I believe the Norton one is too. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm excited people. It's, it's it's a it's a movie about which people have tons and tons uh, to discuss. And so it's been a great pleasure talking with you. And I'm always happy. Ha Casablanca is sort of my happy place too. <laughs> <laughs>
All that's left for me to do is thank Elliot Atkins for the music and Ali Howard for the artwork. And until uh, next week, please take care. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 